so glad you could join us for another edition of Gridiron Wrap here on 760 WJR, along with Bill Keenis. My name is Sean Belegian. This is such a fantastic weekend. I love this weekend. Bill, true yeah. story, I was talking to one of my boyhood friends. Uh, you know, I don't know about you. I, I have uh, different groups of friends, but the real special group of friends is, is the guys that grew up in your neighborhood. There's no yeah. other way to say that. And we were talking about just how great this weekend was mm -hmm. because, you know, not only did you enjoy the NFL action, but you knew it was a short week and you knew that you had school off on Thursday and Thanksgiving <laughs> and you got to watch the Lions at 1230 every Thanksgiving. It was just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, so hope everybody out there has that opportunity to do the same and win or lose, good or bad. That is a Detroit tradition. No question, Sean. And um, and and there were friends uh, all over the country that had that same tradition. I remember growing up in Western PA, and we couldn't wait for Thanksgiving in the Lions because the Lions are synonymous with Thanksgiving. And then Dallas got in the mix in the early 70s. So it, it became Dallas and Detroit, Double D. Um, and there was nothing like it. You'd go out you know, outside be between games and, and play tackle football in the yard and, and get all muddy and upset mom because you were dirty for, for Thanksgiving dinner. But what great, great, great tra traditions in it. It's all around the game of football that we love so very, so very much. Oh, it's it, it seems like yesterday, you know, my, my grandmother, God rest her soul, was nothing but a saint. She would have dinner ready at noon, Thanksgiving yeah. dinner ready at noon because she knew if she went too close to 1230 – all the boys were leaving the room to go watch the football game. Yeah. And we would leave grandma's house right around four and make it back in time for uh, the cowboy game. And uh, boy, it's, it's, it's a tradition that is just outstanding. You know, whether you uh, take the game in at the stadium, like I did for so many years, mm -hmm. both as a fan, as a member of the media, or you have the opportunity to just sit at home. I'm looking forward, Bill. I'm not. I'm looking forward to sitting at home and watching right. the game this year. I really am. It's it's something that I hadn't done for years. Right. I was there as a fan. I was there as a member of the media. It's like I'm going to sit home with my family this year and just chill and you know hopefully beat the Bears. Yeah, and you know what, Sean, you're going to love it. Uh, last year, quite was the first Thanksgiving game that I didn't attend because of COVID and all the the changes. So I actually watched it with my mom. Oh. And it was so special. It awesome. was beyond special. And uh, you, you have a totally different perspective <laughs> when you're not at the game. And on a day that is universally celebrated, is there a better holiday than Thanksgiving? I don't think so. Um, and it allows you to step back, hopefully, and, and truly give thanks for all the blessings that, that we, we experience and have and, and uh, think of those that, that may not. Yeah, well said. No doubt about it. it. It is, Bill, it's interesting. You and I talked about this earlier this year. Um, one of my favorite Lion games ever, seriously, uh, happened 30 years ago on Thanksgiving when the Lions, I can't believe, did I just say 30 years? <laughs> I, I mean, my goodness, I remember everything about the day. It's 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 in getting stuck in traffic at the big boy on Updike and, you know, all of it. But um you know what? It it really was one of my favorite Thanksgiving, uh, one of my favorite games ever when they beat the Bears that that Thanksgiving. But leading up to that game was something that we're going to get into, and we're, we'll do that after seven fifteen. But uh, that was one of those situations, Bill. That I, I can't even imagine what that 
week was like for you? Right. Well, it really started. I mean, you go back and we celebrated the anniversary of this um, fateful day, if you will, uh, November 17th, when Mike Utley was paralyzed. So that was a game against the Rams. We actually scored a touchdown on the play. Uh, Eric Kramer to, uh, I think it was Willie Green, or maybe it was Mike Farr. Um, it was Farr. Just a, yeah, it was. It was good it memory. Was, it was Farr. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of those just, you know, simple plays, nothing extraordinary about it. Um, Mike was engaged. I think the Rams defensive lineman's last name was Brockers. And Mike sort of went to punch him, you know, with his hands, which offensive linemen do. And the, the D lineman sort of stepped back and Mike went, you know, right down with all that force and hit his chin on the turf. And uh, it was such a, you know, it's hard to even describe the emotion and what we went through that day, let alone in the um, subsequent days. The following week, we're playing at Minnesota mm -hmm. and we're still trying to deal with the reality of a, of a teammate, a friend, you know, a fellow warrior, um, fighting for his life, perhaps at that time, let alone the uncertainty if he'll ever walk again. So when you couple all that onto a team that's in the hunt, I mean, we were in the hunt that year, obviously. Um, so there's just so many factors going into it. And the game after the Rams game was at the Metrodome. In, in Minneapolis and they were, they were a good team back then, the Vikings. And I don't, there, there are two games that I'll never forget regarding Barry Sanders and what he did. Uh, this was one of them. The other was the Monday night game in Dallas in 94 when it was the Barry Emmett matchup. And I believe in my heart and in my head that Barry was on a mission that night. He had over 190 yards rushing, we won in overtime on Jason Hansen's field goal. But Barry, if there was any doubters, because you remember, Sean, at that point, there was still a lot of <clears throat> ignorant people that thought <laughs> <laughs> that thought Emmett was better than Barry. And I think Barry was quiet. He never talked about it. He was humble, as we all know. But I, like I said, I'm convinced there was some something extra burning in him that night. And, uh, and he, if, if there was ever a game where one player won it, that was that, that game with Barry. And then, you know, go back to the Thanksgiving day week, um, that started with that game in Minnesota. Uh, Barry was the same way, 220 yards, four touchdowns on every run. There was one of those moments where the Viking defender was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. You know, it was like, did, did I just see what I think I just saw? No, <laughs> you saw Barry. And uh, and then we come home for a short week. We've got Madden and Summerall. We're in the hunt. It's a huge game. Our tribal Chicago Bears, the Silverdome's packed. And then we got our friend and brother and teammate in the hospital. Um, so many things, you know, going into that game. And when you had Madden and Summerall, that alone was special. When you had Thanksgiving, that alone was special. You got Mike Ditka and the Bears. That alone was special. So no wonder it's one of your all-time favorite games because the build-up, the reality, the impact of that game, we still feel it today. And just talking about it, you get chills. 
absolutely phenomenal. I mean, really, it was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we'll, we'll go back to the Utley game and leading up to mm-hmm. – I, I happen to be at that game as well. And, uh, Bill, honestly, I'll never forget, you know, this is before we could all look at our phones and realize what was going on. Uh, we just knew that there was something serious with, with Mike Utley. And no offense, it, it, it was just – not a very exciting game. The Lions scored yeah. a couple of touchdowns late, but it was just one of those games that, okay, yeah. survive in advance. Let's just mm-hmm. keep the good times going. I'll never forget driving home. I remember exactly where I was when I heard a somber Mark Champion yeah. say, Mike Utley, you know, explain the whole situation. Right. And, and you know, here are a bunch of 21-year-old kids, and the car just got quiet because wow. he, you don't think about things like that. This big yeah massive strong man yeah. you don't think about they're indestructible right and, and yeah. you don't think about things like mm-hmm. that it were it really was it, it, it gives you just that bad vibe even talking about it and thinking yeah. about it to this very day yeah it, it and and for us um you know we had to be sensitive to mike obviously first and foremost you know his well-being, if you will, emotionally at that time, mentally was so critical. But we also had a job to do and inform the fans, the team, everybody involved as appropriately as we could. Uh, certainly the media wanted to know what was going on. Everybody did. And um, and we tried to do that in the most delicate manner that we could, respectful manner, if you will. And everybody was wonderful in the media, very respectful, very understanding. I don't, we may have had a TV camera to, you know, camp out at the hospital. I, I get it. You know, we all get it, but all in all through that entire ordeal, the local media, you know, they were just, everybody was just wonderful. Very, like I said, respectful, but you talk about uncharted waters uh, going through all that. Um, And then like we just, you know, alluded to the reality of, you know, our next home game, the next time those players stepped on that turf after their fallen comrade, you know, went down um, was Thanksgiving. And yeah. and then, as you alluded to, uh, we did something very special before the kickoff of that game that everybody still remembers to this day, in particular, the two individuals most closely involved with that event. I purposely have not listened to that. Like when you brought this up earlier today, I I did not click the link. I did not listen to the link because I wanted to hear it as I remember it from 30 years ago. And anybody that was at that game, it was absolutely electric. Mm -hmm. And Bill, as I told you before, for me, it was beating the bears at their own game. It was punching the bears in the mouth. and, And all of a sudden the bully didn't look like the bully anymore. And that was, that was what was so magical about that day. Mm-hmm. But this was a big part of it, and we'll hear it when we come back. He's Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you could join us. It's Football Wrap on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. Well, welcome back in. So glad you could join us here. 760 WJR, Gridiron Wrap. He's Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegian. Just to let you know uh, what's going on around the National Football League right now, the late games. Uh, we have a couple of finals and a couple games that are soon to be finals. The Bengals knock off the Raiders 32-13. Uh, to 13. The Bengals improve to 6-4 on the season. Uh, Cardinals on top of the Seahawks by a score of 23-13. That's at the two-minute warning. Uh, the Chiefs uh, 
on top of the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 19 to nine. Of course, tonight uh, we've got uh, the Steelers and the Chargers and tomorrow night, the Giants and the Buccaneers. But we're uh, getting in the time machine and going back 30 years ago, uh, Bill, again, it seems like yesterday for me, and I can only speak to this from a fandom fandom standpoint, you know, the Lions got off to a six and two start. They had lost a couple of games. They got the home win against the Rams. As you mentioned, they went to Minnesota and won there. Little did we know how magical the last month and a half of the season was going to be, but that leads to this showdown with the Chicago Bears who had already kind of bullied the Lions around earlier in the year. And anybody that was there, it was, it, as I said, I, I have no other way to say it than it's arguably the favorite game that I've ever been to. Well, that's quite a testament to the to the reality of that day. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, uh, you know, we had, had beaten the Vikings that Sunday after Mike's injury, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And you try to go into Thanksgiving Day mode because you've got basically three days to get ready for a game that you, you know, when normally you have six days. So from a PR standpoint, you know, we're, we're talking uh, about what we have to do. We got Madden and Summer all coming in the very next day. We got production meetings to line up. We got the Mike Utley situation. We got the Bears. We got Ditka. We got just so many things, you know, so many ingredients in this Thanksgiving feast, if you will. So we get on the plane in Minneapolis. And we're, I'm just starting to think ahead. Okay, we got this, we got that, we got John and Pat coming in and blah, blah, blah. And then everything goes to Mike. The priority in everybody's thought process was Mike, 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 appropriately so. So we're sitting on the plane getting ready to take off. We had stowed our luggage. And it just, I just had this thought, wouldn't it be incredible if Lomas, and he was the only one I thought of, could go on a mic prior to kickoff so obviously all the fans are going to hear it but more importantly mike's going to hear it if we can get clearance from cbs to carry it all the while knowing cbs you talk about reality tv ain't nothing more real than what we were dealing with back then true so knowing cbs would jump on it and then i also think and i'm getting chills literally this second as i about to say this i really and truly believe that the fans believe they were, you know, behind that message as well to Mike because they knew he was going to be listening to it. And they knew that as soon as they exploded in cheers after that, he would hear that. And by that time, Sean, as you remember, the whole thumbs up message mantra became national. It was so powerful. So I, I wrote the, you know, the, the short speech out and went to Lomas on the plane and I just said, Loam, this is what we need to do. And as he he recently was interviewed by Bernie Smilovitz about the 30-year anniversary. And appropriately, very understandably, Lomas was initially a little hesitant. You know, he's got Richard Denny, he's got to worry about blocking. And right before kickoff, he's talking on a live microphone to millions of people across the country on TV. But most importantly, to his dear friend who's lying in a hospital with a halo on his head. Um, but we talked a little more about it. And and then ultimately, Lomas realized there's a reason why I told him he's the only one to do this. And why 
it, it and just the merits of doing it for so many reasons. And of course, CBS loved it. So Lomas was cued on the field. He had his his offensive line teammates behind him, and he gave a speech that uh, that he'll tell you to this day is one of the highlights of his uh, career, primarily because he knew Mike was listening. Let's hear that now, Blake. Mike, we know you're listening. On behalf of your teammates, the fans, and the players, and the coaches, we want you to know that you are as big a part of this team today as you have ever been. And that you will be always be a part of this team. Thanks for your courage, your inspiration, and your strength. We're all praying for you. We're all pulling for you. So keep the faith. We love you. And thumbs up, Mike. We love you. Wow. Chills. Wow, chills. Chills. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Chills. And the, the other uh, – uh, and you're always, you know, you're always thinking competitively <laughs> no matter what you do. And uh, the other uh, aspect of that was, gosh, the crowd's going to go nuts. We're getting the opening kickoff. Okay, obviously you don't know that at the time, but uh, we're going to receive the opening kickoff. We got the best returner in the league at that time, maybe in history, Mel Gray, ready to uh, return that kick. And, oh, this has got to give us some juice. And Mel returned it. He almost broke it. He went out to the 50-yard line. And the place, I, I, I think the, the roof, uh, when, when the – Silverdome came down. I st still think there were some loose nuts and bolts up there from that day because it exploded. And, and like you said, we won the game. And, uh, and the beauty of that was that Mike heard everything. He heard his, his friend Lomas, his teammate talking to him. And I do believe the fans felt such a part of that because their reaction to it was so incredible. And, uh, and that set the stage, set the tone for the uh, the rest of that season. You could not have said that better, Bill, because as as I was listening to that, I suddenly I was 21 years old again. Yeah. And the thing that I remember about that is is usually when a moment like that happens, you have a bunch of guys screaming. They want to hear their voice heard after the fact or something. I, you could hear the silence. And I just remember the silence sitting. We, we were actually in the lower bowl, not too far behind the lion's bench. We had a friend kind of hook us up and everything, but it, I just remember sitting there going, Whoa, you know, and, and everybody was that day. There were 80,000 fans in the Pontiac Silverdome just going, Whoa, because it was, it was a moment that everybody knew the lions had something special going on. I'm not quite sure if we knew how good it was eventually going to get, but then that happened, and and it was like one of our own. It was like somebody that we knew. I I never met Mike Utley. I wasn't in the media, but it was like honestly, Bill. It was that guy down the street. You know, oh, that guy's a good dude. And and, and it, yeah. boy, it was something that the whole community and and thumbs up as you mentioned. It was it was just a a, a magical time. And you know, again, we would be remiss if we if we didn't mention. What an incredible man Mike Utley is to turn oh. this tragedy into something that he refuses to call a tragedy and, and turn that into the positive that he's turned it into. I, anybody that knows Mike, will will absolutely agree with this statement. I mean, it's as 
it's as if, as if God chose him for this because I can't imagine anybody having that dealt to him and reacting the way he did. He has become, and I've told Mike this uh, numerous times. I said, Mike, um, everybody knows, and, and I'll be the first to scream it. I wish it never happened. But I'm telling you, and I know you know this, because of the way you've reacted to this, the impact you've had on thousands, maybe millions, perhaps, of people, people you'll never meet, you'll never know about, but people every day that hear about you, your story, they read about it, they listen to something. Um, Mike, you'd have never had that kind of impact on people if it didn't happen. Truth. Now, and he says, I know that, Bill, you're right. And he has, I mean, he's embraced it. And um, his wife, Danny, is an absolute saint. And that woman was made for Mike and he for her. And the way they formed this team to uh, to tackle this reality, um, his attitude is unlike anybody's. And his approach is unlike anybody's. And everybody goes through things in life. We all know that. It's how you react to them. And if there's a if there's a a billboard for the right way in the worst situation, Mike Utley's, you know, on that billboard with the thumbs up and and he and he and he does it every day of his life. He does it every day of his life. Great stuff. Absolutely yeah. great stuff. Uh listen, when we come back we'll share some more Thanksgiving memories. Of course, the Lions hosting the Bears. Uh, that's always special to me. I grew up in an era where the Bears were the the, the measuring stick, so uh, that's always a special one to me. We'll uh, pick Bill's brain about some things that may stick out to him, and we're going to talk about a super fan that maybe you forgot about. Or if you're a young man like our fine, esteemed producer Blake tonight, maybe you don't know anything about. We'll get into that as well. Stick with us. It's Gridiron Rap on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back. So glad you could join us here on uh, 760 WJR. He is indeed Bill Canist. I'm Sean Belegian. Bill, I would be remiss if uh, another Thanksgiving Day game uh, for me that, that comes to mind. And unfortunately, the the Lions uh, ended up losing this one. But the first game that I was able to take my son to, I did the mm-hmm. television show that day. Yeah. And then when the television show ended, I said, I'm dad today. I'm just, uh, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything else. I, I'm just going to be here with my son. And uh, 2011 had the opportunity to take my mm-hmm. son to the game. And uh, there's wow. nothing built. There's, I, I don't know how to, mm-hmm. there's just, it's a different vibe. It's Thanksgiving. It's just a yeah. different vibe when you're, whether it be at the Silverdome or at Ford mm-hmm. Field. Well, I think um, there's no question there's a different vibe. And part of that, unfortunately, uh, and lifelong Lion fans that relate to this, it was uh, the one nationally televised game we were guaranteed to have every year. Yep. <laughs> and yep. for a lot of years, it was like our our playoff game. And, and I don't mean that, obviously, literally, but uh, in a way, when you're working with the top crew from NBC or CBS or Fox, um, the whole nation is watching you. The tradition of it is so critically important. The place in the annals of NFL history and the Thanksgiving game and what our owner back in 34, Jay Richards, did. He took a, a leap of faith to put this game on th- on Thanksgiving. 
and um, and it was a it was a wild success back then, and it continued only interrupted by the war, and um, and just some of the classic games that have occurred have occurred over the years. Uh, certainly, the '62 game, you know, when the Lions, you know, pounded the Packers. 26 to 14, Roger Brown and Alex Karras and the fearsome foursome sacking him 11, 12 times. And uh, that was the Packers only loss that year. Many people think the Lions were the better team that year. The Packers won the championship, but boy, the Lions were good that year. And then, you know, there, there's Thanksgiving Day games that have Nick have you say one word and you remember it. You know, the coin or two words, the coin toss, yeah. the Steelers and, you know, or the stomp. And that was the game you were at, and what a what a bizarre day that was. Um, most importantly, uh, was the game which we unfortunately lost to uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But the whole aftermath with the stomp and Adamican Sue and how just crazy that was. Um, you know, people still talk about that, unfortunately. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, the kickoff—that was one of my earliest oh, my memories. Ni- Nineteen eighty, yeah. Bill, and yeah. uh, you've probably heard me tell this story. Mm-hmm. I used to tell it every year on Fox. Yeah, I, I was—I mean, I was devastated because the Lions led the whole game, and mm-hmm. then it, it was it, it, refresh my memory. It was either the second to last play of the game or the last play of the game. Vince Evans last scores play, a touchdown. Yeah. 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 yeah, and then they returned the kickoff. And Dave Williams, my yep. my grandfather started laughing. <laughs> and I, I and I'm I, I was uh, so mad at my grandfather. What what are yeah. you laughing for? And he said to me, he was like, "Oh, Sean, you know this is this is just something that unfortunately you're going to have to deal with with this franchise and everything." Wow. And we love him, uh, Bill. Yeah. Honestly, I, I'll say it yeah. time and time again: we love him, and it's going to make it that much sweeter when they eventually win. But no uh, question. It, so many, yeah. so many great yeah. memories, and yeah. some memories like that mixed in too. No doubt about. No it. doubt, no doubt, and. um I want to go back to, it wasn't, I mean, it, it eventually, there were many Thanksgiving memories involved in this individual, but uh, Wayne Fonses, uh first year as, as coach, he was the interim coach in 88 and his first game would have been uh, today. It would have been uh, the game before Thanksgiving. And um, so we're playing Green Bay in Milwaukee. That's when, Milwaukee hosted three Packers games a year, the old County stadium. And when Wayne took over, we had lost uh, to Tampa Bay the previous week. Um, Donald Igwe Buike um, kicked a, uh, kicked like a 53 yard field goal. Do you, do you have me, Sean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kicked a 53 yard field goal. I believe on the last play of the game to beat us. And then there was a coaching change or what have you. So Wayne, we're getting ready to play the Packers and, uh, and he made some changes uh, appropriately. It's he's a new coach, a new head coach. So he made some changes with travel and protocol and what have you. And one of the changes he made was that the team would bus from the Silverdome to uh, the airport. Previously players could drive on their own, but wanting to foster the whole idea of we're a team, it's a business trip. We're going to meet at the dome, park your cars there. We'll take buses to the airport. And, uh, and that's how we're going to come back to the dome. And I thought it was a great idea. And so uh, we board the buses and we head to the airport. And as he had been 
you know, I can't remember how many years prior, but every time we went to the airport, there was one fan that was always there at the gate to greet us. And we took off from a uh, offsite terminal. It wasn't the main terminal. Mm -hmm. And uh, he found out where it was. So the players would all park their cars there and then walk past him. And he was affectionately known as the brow. And um, Sean, I don't even know how to describe him. I mean, <laughs> some, some would say he he dressed like a used car, um, like a 1965 vintage car. But he always had a coat and tie on. His tie was always askew. He wore a hat more often than not. Um, he was a caricature of himself. He was just an amazing guy. And he had eyebrows that would need their own passport. I think they were so big. Um, and you, which which I knew he was a he was a teacher in a previous life, but you told me that he substituted a few times your classes in Livonia. In Livonia, absolutely. Wow. I, I had him as a substitute teacher, and I, I remember definitively. The first time I had him because it was during the 1984 World Series. Okay. And one of the funny things that he did, he for the benefit of people out there that don't remember him. And Blake, honestly, being a young man, you should just look up the brow. It, yeah. it just yeah. as Bill, Bill did a good job of explaining him, but just look him up. But do you remember he would bring those signs in, yeah. Bill, yeah. that were oh, always no. some kind of rhyme or witty yeah. way to yeah. say things? And he said, this is a sign I'm bringing to the game tomorrow. And I still yeah. remember to this day it was – Wigan Steel question mark Parish the thought Lance Parish and I and like as a kid oh, I was like this guy's the coolest guy on earth yeah. and and you know and then you know as years would go by and you know I, I was finally able to start going to games myself as you mentioned yeah. Bill I would see him at games with signs yeah. and and just being well the brow no question and and those signs Sean. They were on big pieces of poster board. Oh, yeah. And he would literally cut out the letters. He didn't write the the the, the messages with a marker. He cut out the letters, formed the words, and stapled them to the poster board. I'll bet you there were 5,000 staples on any one poster board. So he must have spent all his waking hours preparing these signs. So... <laughs> So this this day, game, Wayne's first game, we're, I'm in the, the front bus sitting with Wayne, and we head to the airport, and there's the brow standing there, not knowing that we changed our protocol, right? And all these buses just drive right by him. And if you could have seen the look on his face, it was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> it, 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 it would be like that one Christmas when you woke up too early and none of, and Santa hadn't been to your house yet. Remember that shot? <laughs> and you were told to go back to sleep? Yeah. Well, that was the look on the brow's face. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going up the stairs to the plane. And, and I said to Wayne, I says, Wayne, we can't just leave him there. Let's go talk to the brow. Come on. We got to, I mean, we can't do that. So Wayne and I get off and, and, and walk back over, you know, the 30, 40 yards to where the brow's standing. And um, we invite him on the plane. We invite him on the plane. By this time, all the all the players, all the staff, everybody's seated. Uh, they're waiting for the the equipment to get loaded, so we have some time. So he walks on the plane, and and I mean, it was like a rock star. 
I mean, the players had all known who he was. They'd seen him at games, and he gets on the plane, and, you know, they're going crazy. Hey, the bra, the bra, the bra. So somebody said, I don't know how it, it, it happened, but, hey, give us a cheer, Joe. Give us a cheer. So he had these, as you said, very unique cheers. So he's standing in the aisle uh, between first class and coach where the players were all seated. And he starts into this cheer. And it was strawberry shortcake, gooseberry pie, <laughs> V-I-C-T-O-R. And just as he shouts, why? His false teeth fly from his mouth down the center aisle of the plane. And the players went nuts. It was it, it was one of the funniest things if you can imagine. So I'm trying to help him find his teeth. And they're under a seat and we're both sort of, you know, bent over. We're, we're kneeling and he finds them and, and I'm just, you know, down there with him. And he looks at me and he goes, Billy, when they think you're crazy, you can get away with anything. <laughs> and I just, oh my gosh, the brow. And and so that was just one of so many stories about the guy. I mean, just legendary stuff. Um, and, and we talked about the 91 season, right, Sean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the other thing he always had, he always had with him, his props, the, uh, the plastic... Oh ketchup bottle and yes. plastic mustard bottle that you would get in a diner. And, uh, and it would be, it would be something like, if you can't cut the mustard and show the mustard, you'll never catch up. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it, but, but he had a magic about him. Yeah, he did. He did. Loved him. He lo people loved him. Bill, you know, the thing that I remember about him and, and I'll say the same thing about crack. I mean, I mean everybody mm -hmm. knows the crack man. Yeah. I never, ever, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but as yeah. a kid, I never, ever remember hearing cuss words come out of his mouth. Oh, no, no. Because so many times hecklers, okay, I'm funny, yeah. but they got to, you know, just yeah. for effect, they got to throw in this bomb or that bomb. I yeah. never heard that stuff come out of uh uh, out of the brows of Joe Deeroff. I've never, yes. ever heard that come out of his mouth. No, a, a absolute decent man and kind hearted, just a great guy who had a unique, you know, lot in his life uh, to be the Lions super fan. So the, uh, the other one story I definitely want to tell, and I'm, I'm pretty certain it was the 91 game. And that game, we, we ended that season with two road games um, at Green Bay and at Buffalo, of all places, right? In December, um, we're going to Green Bay and, and we're going to Buffalo. We had to win both of the games to ultimately win the division, which we did. So I think the Green Bay game may have been a Saturday game for some reason. Maybe not, but huge game. So I am down. I, I get up early go down to the lobby of the hotel and it's probably 5 36 AM and there's nobody milling around, but there is one individual laying on the couch in the lobby. Guess who? The brow. And I'm like, Joe, what are you doing, Joe? And he goes, you know, and he woke up and you know, the brow, the, the brow in the middle of the day is a sight for sore eyes. The brow waking up <laughs> is another sight for sore eyes. Right. <laughs> and, and so um, oh, I, I, uh, I drove up for the game. <laughs> like, you drove? 
And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, how, you know, how was the trip? He goes, well, I got some tickets. I'm like, oh, Joe. And he, and I go, what, what for? And he goes, well, I was driving too slow, I guess. And, and that's what they ticketed him for. Okay. Well, well, and, and this is the God's honest truth. I always thought it took about 12 hours to get from Detroit to Green Bay. Cause Joe told me it took him 12 hours. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause he had a car, Sean, that was a, a death trap. You could see through the floorboards in the car. I'm telling you, it was all rusted out. So we made a quick decision at that moment, Joe, you're coming home with us. You're not driving back to Michigan. And we made arrangements with the hotel and we just left that car and they got a junk because it was it was a piece of crap. And I, how he made it was a was, a you know, a miracle. So so and, and again, I don't know if it was this game or another game, but um, but so Tim Pendell, you, you know, Tim. Yeah. Pendell. Yep. So we're we're ultra concerned about the brow. So Tim was going to watch him during the game. Keep his eye on, keep our eye on him. We had him up in the press box. Tim was working for our radio crew. So he had other duties and functions, but you know, the, the stern message to Joe was Joe, you stay right where you are. You're not going out in the stands and you're coming home with us. So it was at a break, maybe the two minute warning of the first half. I'm not sure what, but all of a sudden there's this commotion in the stands of Lambeau. And everybody is drawn to this commotion right in front of the press box. And there's some individual being body surfed up and down the sections of Lambo. <laughs> need, need I ask you who that might have been? <laughs> the brow! So, oh, you know, beautiful. Oh, yes. So we went out and got him. Tim rescued him. He came home with us. And as my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, I think the players, God bless them, you know, collected some money and uh, he was able to able to get him a used car or something because that car, oh. that, that car stayed at the hotel parking lot uh, and, and in some, you know, you know, junkyard up in up in uh, Green Bay somewhere. But oh, that's but, beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Oh, yeah. all right. We one more break and we'll come back. Uh, have some final thoughts, Bill. I know you wanted to share something yeah. before we get out of here. So glad you could join us Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. Bill Keenest, I know before we get out of here, you had a special Thanksgiving story to share. I, I do, Sean. And and the Lions came to today sort of reminded me of it because going into Thanksgiving winless is a tough deal. You got the whole nation watching and uh, you just hoping that they could have beat the Browns today to avoid that. But there was a Thanksgiving 2001. Uh, we go into the game against the Packers in the same situation. We hadn't won a game. We're playing the Packers. Uh, Brett Favre and the play is packed. It's the last Thanksgiving Day game at the Silverdome. They get out to a pretty decent lead, and then we fight back. We fight back. Put Mike McMahon in at the end of the game. There were some terrible calls that went against us. We have a chance to tie it with a two-point conversion in the last 30 seconds. We don't make it, so we lose the game. And I'm telling you, it was devastating. I, I just, I don't know that I ever felt so bad after a loss. So I walk Marty Morningwig out of the, out of the, the stadium, and by after we do the press conference and everything, it's dark. Um, everybody's gone from the locker room, and I go over to the press box where I still have some work to do. 
And on my way to the press box, I call the house where we've got about 30 people waiting for dinner, 30 people who I don't want to talk to, who I don't want to, you know, get questions about what happened to the lines, this or that. So I think, I think I, my, my oldest son, Billy answered the phone. I said, Billy, I don't know when I'm coming home tonight. Do not wait for me. I don't know when I'm coming home, start dinner. And I meant it. I was going to pull up a Bobby Ross and drive around Lake Orchard or something. I don't know what I was going to do, but I left the press box and you know how big the Silverdome parking lot was. It was pitch black. I started driving and off in the distance, something catches my eye. There's a, there's a sparkle or reflection and there's an elderly gentleman with a shopping cart collecting pop bottles for his food for that day to buy some food. And I stopped, I gave him 20 bucks and I, and we had a great exchange and I thanked him for making me very thankful for what I have that day. And he thanked me saying it's the best Thanksgiving he ever had. So we all have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Blake. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Bill. We'll talk to you next week right here on Gridiron Wrap. Good night, everybody.